Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Across from me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And that makes us Stuff You Should Know. Not Bush League. No, we've been doing this way too long. Not Bush League. We're pioneers, man. Are we? Probably. We're like riding the coattails of Adam Curry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Long, supple, velvety coattails of Adam Curry. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be on them. Sure. He's great, man. I'm not making fun of him at no, all. Oh, I know. Of course. Well, don't make it sound like I am. You're not one of those guys who just says something like, uncool, to be ironic and have it be cool. No. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up because I posted a Kenny G song on our Facebook page and I wasn't trying to be ironic. I wasn't trying to be cool. It's a good song. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Like when you go see Dolly Parton, it's not to be ironic. It's because you like Dolly Parton. Exactly. All right. Thank you. Just want to clear that up. Uh, same goes for Ronnie Millsap, by the way. Oh, he's class act. Yeah. Um, one of uh, mine and Yumi's friends, Adam, was like, who's that cat that you listen to who's always wearing the sunglasses? He's country. <laughs> and Yumi was like, uh, Ronnie Millsap? He's like, yeah. I was like, he's blind, man. That's why he's always wearing the sunglasses. And Adam Adam? Adam Adam, yeah. Who uh, Who is engaged. Yeah, congratulations to him. Yes, congratulations to Adam and Serena. So, Chuck, Enough how human that. trafficking works? Yeah, let's, we might as well have gotten the light stuff out of the way because this will be another joke-free podcast. This is a, I don't know about joke-free. We don't pull off joke-free very well, but we, um, this is heavy. It's one of our heavier ones. It's up there with like homelessness. Sure. Uh, and, um, and oft requested. Yeah. This one's been asked for a lot. We're finally doing it. Yes. Um, and human trafficking is not to be confused with the movie about raves from the 90s called Human Traffic. It has absolutely nothing to do with one another. Human trafficking is basically um, another term for modern slavery. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, uh, uh, I want to bust out a um, an unquantified stat. That's my forte. Yes. There are supposedly more slaves in the world right now than there ever have been. That is true. I looked that up just to be sure, and I did not get a number, but they said there are more. Well, I think they said more than 12 million is what the U.N. says. The State Department said uh, in 2010 yeah. in their report on human trafficking, they cited something like 17, 12.3. 12.3, yeah. So the, the U.S. and the U.N., I guess, are using the same number. Looks like it. Um, that's a lot of slaves. And sad, very sad. Um so let okay we I think everybody has a pretty good understanding of how um West Africa became the slave capital of the world in from about what the 16th to the 19th century okay I think into the 20th century they commonly cite it because I think some of southern Europe was still using slaves after uh the US issued the Emancipation Proclamation. All right. And, but, you know, here in the U.S., it's like, well, well, that must have ended slavery everywhere because it was right. issued by the U.S. Sure. Um, not not so. But we understand West African slavery. You know, it's been studied. We, we, we've we discussed it before. Um, modern slavery takes a, a – it's just as insidious, but it takes uh, different kinds of forms, right? Yes, It's true. not just, you know – um, being captured and then transported to work on a, um, 
a farm or a plantation, although that still happens. Right, and it doesn't necessarily mean even being transported across any sort of a border. Uh, a lot of U.S. Uh, human slaves or human trafficked peoples are Americans. Yeah. You want to paint a story? A story in the intro? I thought this was a pretty good illustration. Yeah, this was written by Molly, our old friend from uh, Sminty, who has gone on to, uh, I hope, Greener Pastures. Yeah, she's at Emory U. So uh, Molly wrote this, and it's a good one. And she just she gives a little uh, story here at the beginning on how this might work. Eastern European country, a woman might see a billboard that says, hey, come to uh, Paris or New York City to work as a waitress. She doesn't make much money. She doesn't have a lot going on. Plus, so she it's thinks, New York and Paris. Yeah, exactly. Let me go. Uh, promises of something richer in another land. So she calls this number. She's told, hey, for just like three grand, which we may even front you, you can pay it back when you get here. Right. We'll bring you over, and you can get this great job and, and start a, a new fantastic life. Once she gets here, however, uh, she's not taken to a restaurant, but she may be taken to like a brothel, let's say. Right. A lot of times women and young girls are, it's sex trafficking as opposed to labor trafficking. Yes. We should point out. Actually, the FBI says, I think the majority of girls and women are from Central America and Asia, and most boys and men are forced into labor, but an increasing number of boys and men are working in the commercial sex industry. Oh, yeah. Molly kind of made it sound like I think she used the pronoun she almost exclusively when she talked about sex trafficking, but there are plenty of men and boys in that, too. Yeah. So anyway, she comes over. She's forced to work in a brothel as a prostitute or in uh, in porn or some other kind of sex industry and basically is either blackmailed or coerced or beaten or drugged or all of the above, never is paid back or I'm sorry she's never she's never working off the money right basically she's just there forever and also even if she is working off the money she may also be charged room and board in the brothel which is probably about the biggest insult you could ever lay on somebody yeah hey we kidnapped you and forced you into prostitution and we're charging you for this room that we're making you perform sex acts in and the prices just go up and up on the room and board so you're really not paying down your your uh loan Right, exactly. To get over here. Plus, and we have your passport, so good luck getting back anywhere. Right. Um, she may also be funneled, I guess, into um, labor trafficking. There's two kinds of, of human trafficking. There's sex trafficking and labor trafficking. And obviously sex trafficking gets the um, most headlines because, yeah. you know, the idea of sex slaves is, is just mind-boggling. Sure. Very labor trafficking is far more prevalent, though. Yeah. Um Somebody who, you know, entered the same situation may end up in a restaurant mm-hmm. in Paris or New York, but as like a line cook who's not really getting paid. Right. Apparently, the restaurant industry is rife with human trafficking as well. Atlanta is. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Atlanta is one of the, the most major hubs in the United States for human trafficking. Did you get an idea of why? Uh, I don't know why, but I know that Grady Hospital here in town has... Uh, recently stepped up efforts to recognize uh, victims when they come in as patients because one of the biggest issues Molly points out is is recognizing them even though they're in plain view. Yeah. Like we have probably come into contact with somebody at some point in Atlanta, whether it was, you know, the bus boy or the, you know, the quote-unquote migrant worker you see working on a farm. Are you trying to tell me that you're being trafficked right now? <laughs> no. 
blink once if, <laughs> if Jerry has a gun to my head. Right, and we'll get into the problems of why this isn't just an obvious problem. Um, but uh, let's talk a little more about the, the two different types of trafficking. You talked about sex trafficking, which can be very lucrative um, for the trafficker. Sure. The trafficee or the trafficked is not making any money whatsoever, is no. being fed whatever, is a slave. The trafficker, uh, Molly used the um, used Bulgaria as an example. Yeah. In Bulgaria, the average annual salary is about $2,600 U.S. Um, in a year, that same year, uh, a sex slave can make about 23500 for a trafficker. Wow. Yeah. Um, also, if you're diverted over to labor trafficking, you may end up, like we said, in a restaurant, mm-hmm. a mine. Agriculture is a big one. Yeah. Matter of fact, um, there's this uh, group called SweatFree.org, and a lot of the um, like anti-sweatshop groups, pro-union groups, yeah. and um, anti-human trafficking groups all kind of form this Venn diagram in the middle uh, that has to do with sweat labor, forced labor. Right. And um, there's this group called SweatFree.org, and if you ever want to shop with somebody... That you a company that you know doesn't use sweat labor, so you can't possibly be using by buying a product that is made up with forced labor. Right. You can um, look up their shopping guide, but they also release a, a Hall of Shame every year, and their 2010 Hall of Shame shamed um, LL Bean, Jimbery, and Hanes really for using Uzbek cotton, and uh, apparently the Uzbekistan government mandates that children as young as seven have to be forced to harvest the cotton in the fall rather than go to school. And a lot of these kids are, like, shuffled off to remote areas away from their homes. That's human trafficking. That's government mandated. You know what really shocked me is that sometimes these people are sold to wealthy individuals. Yeah, this one was awful. Who actually just use them as as housemaids and housekeepers and cooks. And like, I, I would res- assume, quote unquote, respectable people. That's probably where uh, sex trafficking and labor trafficking like collide. You think? Yeah, I'm sure. Depending on the house you end up in, but yes, I'm sure. Did you see uh, Taken? The lead I did. movie. Obviously, in that, I'm sure that happens. But in that movie, it was a very high end uh, operation going on. It was, but where the girl ended up was like a, a mine camp or something like that. Remember, like the the place, like. There was just ropes with, like, sheets hanging over that oh, yeah. made this one room into smaller rooms or whatever. But Liam Neeson had a very particular set of skills, luckily. <laughs> yeah, he did. So he was able to rescue his daughter. Yeah. When did he become an action hero? Uh, God, what was the first one? Was it the Clone War one? Uh, maybe. Attack of the Clones? But the I Phantom agree. Menace? Like, all of a sudden, Liam Neeson... Well, Dark Man, many years ago, he was a... Oh, yeah. But that, that didn't, like, launch him into action movie guy. But now, yeah, he's a he's an A one butt kicker at this point. Yep, good for him. Yeah, I like that movie actually. Taken. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was pretty good, pretty enjoyable. It was just I couldn't get past the fact that we were watching Liam Neeson do this stuff. <laughs> uh, hey, give me Daniel Craig. Okay. I can I can believe him. All right, uh, let's get back to it, shall we? Uh, we we and obviously, if you're a sex slave, aside from just the trauma of being forced to perform sex acts like a dozen times a day on strangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously at risk for STDs, uh, violence from their johns or pimps, uh, pregnancy, forced abortions, sterilization, forced sterilization. 
all, all like a host of awful things. Yeah, which all add up to immense emotional trauma. Uh, and if you are in uh, a labor slave, you are basically facing probably the worst um, labor conditions. Yeah, that the person can come up with. You're you're not protected at all because you're not going to stand up and say anything. And why, Chuck? Why would somebody endure this kind of life quietly? Because that's a big. There's a big discussion about how many slaves, how yeah. many trafficked people there are in the world. Um, because we we really don't know, and a lot of people think that they're hiding in plain sight. Why? Well, because uh, they could be drugged. Like a lot of times in the in the sex industry, I read cases in like Oregon and Seattle where they were. They would get them addicted to crack cocaine. Yeah. Um, Remember in the homelessness podcast, we talked about that Florida labor camp that had a little company store that sold oh, yeah. crack. Yeah, yeah. And like these, these homeless people were in living lives of basically indentured servitude. Right. Yeah. Uh, blackmail might be another one. Like, hey, look, we've got these pictures of you now. We're going to send them to your family. Yeah, isn't that particularly insidious? Very Forcing much. a, a sure. woman into prostitution, taking pictures, and then using those pictures to blackmail her. Yeah. And, and Molly points out a lot of times they may be from a country where, I mean, it's never like that's a great thing for your family, yeah. but they may be from a country where it's, you know, all of a sudden the family is, you know, outcast from their village right. and like great shame is brought upon their family name and yeah. they don't want that. No. Or like we said, they may not have, if they had travel documents to begin with, they snatch those, yeah. they may not speak the language. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Plus also you've got the threat of violence almost always. Yeah. Um, or actual violence. Uh, so yeah, the, there's three three terms that basically um, legal definitions almost always use to describe human trafficking and how it's carried out. That's force, fraud, and coercion. And force is the um, like you said, drugs, the use of drugs. Well, maybe they're kidnapped outright. Right. Uh, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, uh, physical abuse, rape, um, and then uh, even having guards. Guard you, right? Um, I, I guess that that intimidates, but it also implies the threat of violence as well. So that's force. There's um, coercion. Yeah, we kind of already covered fraud, which was getting someone here under false pretense. Right, but I think probably a lot. Um, one of the ways you talked about the billboard, right? And the yeah. girl calls herself. There's also a lot of human traffickers that will go to poor families and be like, hey, you love your kid, right? This is we the worst. Yeah. can get your kid over to America where they're going to get an education. And there's like this, there's people over there that like sponsor kids and like your kid can go live with them. Family's really nice. Your kid will be educated. Come back and take care of you in your older years. Don't you want your kid to do that? We'll right. take them for free, right? The family doesn't realize that that once they find out that this was all fraudulent, they already agreed to letting their their the person take their kid. They don't realize that under any law, it's that's invalid immediately because it was yeah. it, that agreement was reached under fraud or deception. Well, and they're probably not anywhere where they can legitimately get in touch with them anyway. I doubt if they do that, then give them like the real address while they'd be staying <laughs> or cell you phone. Like, yeah. just, just call me exactly. So that basically, the kid is. Not technically kidnapped, but virtually kidnapped. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, coercion was uh, also blackmail. Um, yeah, I get the idea, too, that a lot of this, these threats are empty threats, but the trafficky doesn't understand that. Like, I doubt a lot of times I doubt if they would take the time 
to send their family a photo in their village back home. It's just an empty threat that, that you know, they don't know that they're not going to follow through on it. Right. Or they might follow through on it. Yeah. Um, because of all of these things, though, coercion, uh, physical abuse, drugs, shame, guilt, yeah. like all this stuff comes together, like you said, to form some uh, like serious emotional and psychological problems for the person who's been kidnapped and forced into this life and is held in this life. They got like no power. Right. And they were probably not very empowered to begin with or they wouldn't have been coerced into that kind of situation. Right. Well, that's a, that's a big debate that's going on. It's like, how can you ever eradicate human trafficking if right. you don't first eradicate poverty? Yeah. That's so, I mean, that's a big question, too. Which will probably never happen. But so you have these people. You have just people who are um, not in a great state. And when we encounter them, normals, people who are not being uh, enslaved, encounter them, we might just look right past a lot of really obvious signs because, number one, they're keeping their mouth shut, which is probably the biggest problem of all. Yeah. Um, but number two, we may also see them a victim as a criminal because they're involved yeah. in criminal acts. It wouldn't really dawn on us to think, well, wait a minute, maybe they're being forced into these criminal acts. Well, and Molly's examples were great. Like, it, you see the teenage girl on the street that's obviously, you know, a prostitute, and you may turn your nose up and say, I mean, I, you know, look at that girl, she's trouble. Or look at that migrant worker in the field, uh, you know, I bet he's an illegal, shouldn't even be in this country working. You might be looking at victims instead of criminals. Right. Um, and not just society at large, but apparently law enforcement is not very well trained to recognize um the human trafficked. That is true. I went to the FBI site, and they said that's one of the biggest things that they're working on is educating local law enforcement officers. Like when they bust a, a prostitution ring, don't just throw them all in jail. Like investigate it on a case-by-case basis. Right. So you've got um, victims who are too scared to talk. You have um, society that uh, it's society and law enforcement that immediately deems them criminals. So you have this idea that there's a really big problem out there, but no real idea of exactly how big it is. Yeah. Right? So here's where the numbers kind of come in. Like we said, the U.S. and the U.N. say that there's about 12.3 million adults and children. Worldwide, right? In uh, Around the world, yeah. But the problem is, is that in 2009, there were only um, like 4,300 4,166 successful trafficking prosecutions. Yeah, I, I went to the FBI site, and they have they started the Human Smuggling Trafficking Center mm-hmm. in 2004. Yeah. And they were touting, I'm not saying they're not doing a good job, but they were touting, touting in 2004, they had 86 investigations going on, and they doubled that by 2009 to 167. That's 167 investigations if you've got... What'd they say? About like 15,000 in the U.S. alone? Well, that's another number that's hotly contested. So in 1999, apparently Congress heard that there was 50,000 slaves that were brought into the U.S. every year. And apparently that came from CIA estimates. Right. Um, that really kind of got the charge going against human trafficking. Like, that number is just incredible, right? Yeah. Especially just coming into the U.S. alone. Yeah. So that got everybody on board, including George W. Bush. Sure. Um, got some some laws enacted. There's the um, 
Oh, which one is it, Chuck? The the one we passed in 2000? Um, uh, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act? Yes. And then that same year, the U.N. passed the Palermo Protocols. So that was like a big moment for human trafficking. Yeah. Right? Um, or I should say combating human trafficking. Right. Um, and then the the numbers were downgraded in 2004 to something like um, 14,507 to 17,500. And then even, people think even those numbers are high. Right. Then a, a New York Times magazine writer named uh, Peter Landeman, Landisman, he wrote an article called, um, I think, The Sex Slaves Next Door or The Girls Next Door. I can't remember which what, what it was called. But um, in his article, it, it just created this huge firestorm. It was like a, one of those twelve-page long articles, and like he he was doing a lot of really good investigative journalism. There was this interview with this one girl who'd been sold from from Mexico uh, at like age four, um, and had been living as a sex slave ever since. And like um, people started digging into the article, and were like, "Wait a minute, this sounds a lot like you know urban legend." Some of like the the details about you know how people are coming from Mexico into the U.S. are kind of spotty. Like if they're going by boat, there's really no good place to land in the U.S. Right. Um, there is a lot of problems with it, and he even said ten thousand. So he had the lowest number so far, and even that has been torn apart. And part of the problem that was raised by Peter Landisman's um, article and its reception is that. If you conflate, inflate the the numbers, the yeah. figures too much, and then it's shown that you're off big time, then it comes across as hysterical and alarmist. Right. But if the numbers are too low, then you risk not being able to generate enough interest to really do something about the people who are enslaved. Right. And it's hard to pinpoint it, period, because if they knew, yeah. then they would be doing something about it. Right. Only 27 states... and. That's the latest number I have. Uh, it may be more, but I saw 27 states have anti-trafficking legislation. Is that it? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. So, I mean, the rest, it's technically legal, or surely there's laws that you're breaking? Yeah, I don't think it's legal, but it's not just trafficking-specific legislation. Gotcha. Yeah. So we're kind of, it seems like we're at a period where we realize that there's a real problem, but we don't know how big it is, and we don't know what to do about it yet. One guy... Nicholas Kristof, you read New York Times? Sure. So Kristof, smart guy. <laughs> he did something in 2004 that was pretty amazing. Yeah, he he decided to purchase the freedom of two Cambodian prostitutes. Yeah, he went to Cambodia and did it too. Which is very controversial because as Molly points out, it still perpetuates the idea that you can buy and sell a human life. Yeah. Even though he was doing it for the good, it's still sort of playing ball in a way. Yeah. And a lot of people say it doesn't do a lot of good anyway because these people aren't prepared for the quote-unquote real world. So one of them did kind of escape that life, and the other went right back to it. Yeah. Um, the one that he paid more for, $203, um, she went back to it. And she was very reluctant to come out in the first place. Um, she kind of dragged her feet, and even her owner, I guess, the madam that ran the brothel and right. literally owned this woman – um, was like, you should really take this man's offer and leave right now because you're. N- this is never going to happen again. She went back. Wow. Because she was institutionalized is the way to put it. She yeah, didn't exactly. know if her village would accept her. 
Um, she didn't know if her family would take her back. She was very shamed, and this is the life that she was used to. It's like Red in uh, Shawshank. Yeah, or Brooks. Yeah, Brooks was institutionalized. Yeah, he's the one who hung himself. Right, yeah. and Red thought he was until he found all that money. And he's like, yeah, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm not so institutionalized. I'm going to go all. buy some milkshakes. Uh, so, yeah, he paid $203 and $150. Wow. For those two uh, women. But yeah, the, and I mean, it makes sense. Like, so if you money pay too. money to free somebody, then yeah, you're putting a value on that and you're saying, yes, what you're doing is legitimate to some degree. Well, maybe if nothing else, this move was, uh, got a lot of attention because he did this. Right. You know. But the, the question is this, like, <clears throat> that Peter Landisman article was all about how, you know, there's, there's all these sex slaves in the U.S. But almost all of the action that he describes takes place in Mexico. Nicholas Kristof, to free sex slaves, he didn't go into you know, New Jersey or yeah. Portland. He went to Cambodia. Right. So the question is, how big is this in the U.S. and elsewhere? Is it a big problem in the U.S.? We have no idea. But there's, um, we're starting to kind of shape how to take this on. Thanks to to groups like um, Anti Slavery International and Free the Slaves, right? Yes, and the uh, Polaris Project too is another big one. Yeah, um, the State Department says they have what's called a three P approach: prevention, prosecution, and protection. Uh, prosecution is a big one because until they start really hanging these dudes up by their toes, as an example, then they're not going to be dissuaded so much from trying to traffic these girls and boys. It's a big one. And men and women. Yeah. So you got to prosecute these people, let it be known, plaster it all over the newspapers to kind of dissuade folks. Right. Um, protecting the victims is a problem, especially when they're, you know, the, a cop just looks at them and sees a hooker right. rather than, you know, a, um, a victim. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like you said, I guess the FBI is figuring out how to train local law enforcement to, to recognize signs. Yeah. Um, and there are some pretty easy signs if you can, I guess, gain the trust of, uh, of somebody you suspect is being trafficked. Right. Um, there's just a few questions that you can ask. And if you can get honest answers out of them, you're like, oh, you are a modern slave. Well, that's the tough part is getting the answers. Right. But, but asking them. Uh, where they work, uh, maybe what they're getting paid, who mm-hmm. they live with. Are they free to come and go as they please? Yeah. Um, how uh, would you say how much they get paid? Yeah. Where they sleep, what mm-hmm. kind of sleeping conditions are, uh, what they ate last or the day before? Right. Is another good one. Yeah, those are great questions. And then if you come up with some um, suspicions, there's actually groups that you can call. There's the National Human Trafficking Resource Center um, that has a hotline that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it's one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight, and um, they start to get the ball rolling. And apparently, the State Department, especially under Hillary Clinton, has really taken the ball and run with it um, to combat human trafficking. And the U.S. issues um, travel visas, T visas, yeah, to people who are who are found to be trafficked. So they're saying, hey, you, we won't even deport you. Yeah, you're you not going to be arrested. As a victim. Or if you are arrested and we find out you, you've been trafficked here, right. like we're gonna, you'll be okay after that. Well, the DOJ has a hotline too, um, 888-428-7581, and polarisproject.org is a great place to visit. Yeah. And you mentioned them in the um, 
uh, how the Underground Railroad worked. Oh, really? Yeah, remember they're named after the North Star oh, yeah, that, that um, the freed or escaped slaves used to follow. Uh, Benjamin Skinner, an author, uh, wrote a book called A Crime So Monstrous, uh, Monstrous in 2008. And he said, uh, educate yourself. So hopefully we're helping a little bit right there. Secondly, um, write your congressman, your local elected official. Be the guy that stands up at the town hall yeah. and says, yeah, I get what you're saying about the electromagnetic pulse, but what do you want to do about human trafficking? Right, exactly. Or, you know, find out if you're one of the 27 states or one of the, what's 27 minus 50? <laughs> uh, 23. 23 states that does not have legislation on the books and get in touch with your congressman who yeah. probably won't be in office by the time the next election rolls around. Yeah, wait till after November. Get in touch with your new congressman and say, uh, hey, why don't we have legislation on the books? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and so educating yourself, f- figuring out what, uh, I guess, harassing your local politicians, and then um, supporting av- advocacy groups like sweatfree.org, Free the Slaves, Anti-Slavery International. That's right. Yeah. That's what you can do. Yeah. Or just... Keep your eye out. Don't be so judgmental when you when you see uh, that person who you might think is a, a nefarious criminal. You never know. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people out there who are going to be like, well, I mean, if we make a big deal of this, then everybody's going to say I'm I'm a slave when they're really a criminal. I think that's unlikely. I think so, too. And if you start doing something about human trafficking or you already are, we want to know about it. So I'll call out again uh, if you'll remind me, Chuck, because sometimes I forget. But for uh, for listener mail call out, yes. how about we say, let us know what you're doing to fight human trafficking, okay? Yeah, or if you were one of the people that requested this over the years, then you probably had a good reason, so let's hear it. Okay. Aside from the fact that it's a good cause. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to learn more about human trafficking and read a very good article by Molly Edmonds, you can type in human trafficking, T-R-A-F-F-I-C-K-I-N-G in the search bar at com, and that will bring this article up. And I said HowStuffWorks. No, I said search bar. And that brings up listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Josh's Choice. You, yeah. pick, you pick this one out it because literally has my name on. I didn't have a computer all day. Yeah, I did my research on my iPhone. So thank you, Apple, for allowing me to do my job. <laughs> you shill. Hey, did you see me over there? I you had better it. get at least like a, an iPhone <laughs> cover case or something. Yeah, I don't need it. All right, this is about earthworms from Susan in northern uh, Minnesota. I just listened to your podcast on earthworms. I must say I was disappointed that you minimized the damage that earthworms are doing to our northern forest. We did point out damage, but I guess she didn't think we did a good enough job. All right? Yeah, I was... I, that's. I, I actually didn't mean to pick this one out. It was between this and the dental implant, but we'll go with this one. <laughs> I'm volunteering for the University of Minnesota, go Gophers, yeah. on monitoring the super, I'm sorry, Superior National Forest and have come across large sections of the forest that are heavily damaged due to the worms. Uh, the forest duff that you mentioned has several other uses other than to host seedlings. It also acts as mulch which keeps earth cooler, holds in moisture, and decomposes and creates soil. Yeah, when she mentioned that, it reminded me that drying the soil out is yeah. a big problem because of uh, the eating duff, eating mm-hmm. the, uh, the leaf litter. Not drinking duff, because <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the roots of the large trees exposed, which is called girdling. Uh, this stresses the trees and puts them in jeopardy. But it's also really pretty. 
A person can view large sections of the forest that are completely bare as there is no vegetation at all. The worms can move about three miles per year, which uh, leaves a large path of destruction. To date, there is no successful method to rectify or reclaim those areas of our forests. I am from northern Minnesota, which is a large tourist area. Three miles per year is way, way longer, farther than I've run across in any other oh, really? resource. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about it. That glacier, that ice sheet that killed all those worms, Yeah. right, and basically drove them south. They've had 10,000 to 20,000 years to make their way up. If they can move three miles a year, they'd be all over the place. That We wouldn't be seeing this invasive species problem right now if that were the case. Well, maybe the Minnesota worms are... They're little, lightning fast. Yeah, they have a little jump in their giddy-up. Yeah. Uh, she finalizes this email, Josh, by saying, The slow destruction of our forests is putting our whole economy at risk. That is Susan C. from Minnesota. So, sorry if we... Uh, Minimized it. We didn't certainly didn't mean to. I didn't think we did. Okay. But apparently we didn't like really, really. Right. Yeah. Like we didn't dissect a live earthworm during the podcast to show it. <laughs> we did not. Show its friends what would happen to it. Right. Uh, well, thank you, Susan C., for that one. Um, and thank you to the other guy whose email I was going to choose, but printed the wrong one. Yeah, I think uh, he had a fellow toothless guy like yeah. me. Yeah. He just wanted to give you props for coming out. Coming out? Yeah. <laughs> Taking the tooth out on right, TV. Yeah. Or There's on the internet. If you don't know what we're talking about, you have to see this. We have a video podcast now, too, um, that you can subscribe to. Indeed. Um, and we do, like, we have one of the things that we do is a little uh, game show where we teach one another something in 60 seconds. And Chuck taught me about dental implants and showed me uh, his toothless grin. Showed the world, which is yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So if you if you uh, want to see that, you should type in uh, stuff you should know dental implant uh, into your favorite search engine or in the search bar at howstuffworks.com, and it should bring up that video. Um, and if you want to tweet to us, you can uh, at sysk podcast. If you want to join us on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash stuff you should know. Remember, we want your emails on human trafficking. You can send those to stuff podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you